0: A complete car care solution. A one custom car care. Good morning and welcome. You've got Sarah and Dustin. A one custom car care. Miss Sarah, how's the world treating you? It's good. How are you? Not too bad. So beautiful thing about the Ozarks—we go from winter weather (laughs) wonderland to 60s and uh, mild. What do you what do you think about that?
1: I think that we're getting closer to spring, so I'm excited about it. So
0: looking forward to spring this year. Definitely enjoy the snow. It's pretty, but it's nice for it to go away. And I know we'll probably flirt with it a little bit throughout the next few months. Um, it's interesting to see how quickly it swings from one to the other. I much prefer the sixties and sunshine. I know but, me too. Uh, we'll be there shortly. How did you uh, get through the winter wonderland? No skidding around, sliding, no having no fun.
1: Nope. I just took it very slow with all of the, uh, the ice that mm-hmm. we recently got. Uh, a lot of the vehicles that I saw on the side of the road mm-hmm. were trucks yep. and SUVs actually. Oh, yeah.
0: I saw a fair amount of those. Some of them, like, there was one, I think it was a Colorado, it was a mid-sized truck, but it was way off the road. Like, it had lost it and just way out off into the ditch, unfortunately. So... Lots of folks spun out. I took my truck and washed it after this because it was so salty.
1: I need to do that, too.
0: It was amazingly salty. And, of course, I've got a black service truck that I work out of, and it shows the salt. Mm-hmm. And You've got a darker colored vehicle as well. Same deal. It shows it like a, a big dog. It really does help your vehicle if you can keep as much of that off as possible. Of course, we all want clear roads, which it seemed like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, seemed like Modot did a pretty good job with whatever they were treating the roads with.
1: Yeah, they did really awesome up in our neck of the woods. There's typically an area, I take 65, mm-hmm. and you can always tell where one crew stops and where yes. one crew starts. And it's, you know, usually a mile and a Mm -hmm. half of just really kind of treacherous area. And I didn't see that this year. So that was, I'm super excited.
0: Good job. Thank you all for whoever was out there putting those long hours in. They definitely seemed like the main roads were really good. Mm -hmm. My back roads, of course, we live out in, in county a little bit. They, I don't know, it was probably three days after that initial before they got to them. And unfortunately, my neighbor, as I was leaving, I think on the third day, because it had that nice ice underneath everything... His, he's, I think they're mules, and if I'm wrong, sorry about that, but he's got these really three or four really awesome mules that he pour, pulls a uh, wagon with that they do in the summertime. Mm-hmm. We haven't taken him up on going for a ride with them yet, but maybe this year would be cool. That cause sounds it, fun. It looks like a blast when they do it, but when I was leaving, I think on like uh, maybe Wednesday or Thursday, I don't recall which day, unfortunately somebody had slid and taken out his gates and You know, at his house, he's got a drive that goes up to his house, and then he's got gates to get out to take care of his mules and whatnot. Somebody had had taken him out and apparently didn't even leave a note, took his mailbox out, took his gates out, and I guess it was still drivable. So they drove off and left all that mangled mess there.
1: Did the mules get out? I don't
0: think so. It looked like he evidently caught it, and he had some really good heavy gates that he was able to put up and, and cover that up. The mules are still in there, whether he had to put them back in there or not, I'm not sure. Um, but I messaged him and said, "Hey, I've got a an engine drive welder. I'm I'm not a professional pipeline welding guy, but I can I can help you mend your fence posts back together because it ripped them out of the ground, obviously mangled them, and and then just left. Wow. Yeah, I was Evil. like, man, that's sometimes. And I get it. You know, nobody wants to fess up to that. But even if they didn't have insurance, at least say, hey, I knocked your fence down." You know, you're going to have to at least do something to keep your livestock in because I don't know if you've ever seen a vehicle hit a cow or a horse or a mule or anything like that. But it's devastating to a vehicle, let alone the, you know, the harm to the livestock, whatever it is. And, you know, for somebody to just drive off, I'm assuming it was in the middle of the night because I don't recall it being like that when I got home. Mm. And, you know, we all get off when it's dark right now. And by the time you get right. home, it's dark. So I'll be glad for uh, the... uh The time change coming up here, but I just kind of thought, man, that's kind of a bummer deal. Somebody didn't uh, step up and take care of it. Thankfully, he was prepared and got it taken care of. So he messaged me back and said, hey, you know, we'll wait till it warms up a little bit or the weather gets better. I was like, that's that'd be great. But
1: yeah,
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's nice having some and and just some wonderful neighbors. Yeah, that's always nice. They have uh, definitely been there for me. There's been a few times my cows got out and, you know, they either message or help me, God forbid, get them bat it, oh, put it back in. Oh, that's a scary feeling. It is awful to have livestock that gets out, especially we live on a fairly busy two-lane state highway, I guess is what it would be. And, you know, I, obviously I've got a lot of invested time, money, effort, sweat equity in, those, in the cattle and, and, and his mules in that aspect as well. I hate to see, you know, damage to a car or another person or my livestock. You know, it's just, uh, it's an ongoing deal. So we are getting ready to get out of the cattle business for a little while. We're going to send them off and have them processed and, uh, then I'm going to do some serious work on our fencing.
1: There you go. Because that's
0: a big, big chore. Well,
1: when you're done with that, you can come over to our house. <laughs> you know, if you do
0: need some help, I do have that engine drive. So, Sarah, for you and Ryan, I would, Ooh, I would gladly okay. come you over and Okay, you know what? I might actually
1: work. take that up. I'll cook you a steak. How about that? Fair
0: enough. That sounds – I love the barter system. If you can uh, – <laughs> yes. I will work for food, I suppose. So, definitely that offer standing for you guys as well. So – as we go into spring, I'm excited about spring this year, probably more than I have been in a long time. And Stacy and I, which is my lovely lady, uh, we have been actually talking about possibly buying a new pickup.
1: Oh, it's going to happen, I maybe? I
0: think it's going to happen. Like, we're seriously talking about it. And that is a little bit of a process. Um, I am forecasting, if you will. You and I have talked a lot about the repo market, some mm-hmm. of the pricing. And I'm paying attention to some of that, and I'm thinking the third quarter of 23 is probably going to be a decent time to get serious about looking to buy a new vehicle or a new-to-you vehicle. Now, I have talked in the past where I've got on Ford's website and you know assembled some trucks, and believe it or not, it's not a big price reduction. But several thousand dollars have come off that same truck uh, trim package that I've been kind of trying to hone in on what it is I really want, like what's important, you know, what what work that I need to be doing. And clearly it's going to be something that has the towing capacity to, you know, haul all my shenanigans around that I'm constantly doing and, and the camper and whatnot. So we are, you know, initially it was a little over 80000 for a fairly... Mm-hmm well-equipped three-quarter ton or one-ton truck, not a King Ranch or a Platinum or Limited or uh, I can't remember what uh, Chevy High Country, I guess, or GMC, I'm sure their upper Denali, I guess, would be their trim package. Nothing like that. We're talking about more of a utilitarian truck. And as of this weekend, it looks like it has pulled back. The pricing for the same thing that was 80 is now in like the 72 range. Which is still a tremendous amount of money. I mean, that's crazy for me even to say those words coming out of my mouth. But the fact that they have already started to pull back on certain things kind of leads me to believe that as they continue to raise interest rates, as hopefully the supply chain shenanigans starts to finally maybe settle itself down, um, but, you know, things change as well, I'm hoping or planning that... You know, the third quarter of 23 is probably going to be a time that I really get serious about either finding a new-to-us vehicle or maybe it'll be honestly a little cheaper just to buy or order something new and see how that shapes up. So I'd love to see it come down into the 60s would be really nice. 72 is, is, man, that's still a tremendous amount of money, and you're married to that payment for... You know, seven to eight years, depending on how you finance that out. And that's a long time to be married to it. So. Is that number, you think that's just a, is, as absurd as I do, I suppose? Yeah, that
1: is absolutely insane. Yeah. I'm pretty excited. We, I actually just paid the husband's truck <sighs> yeah! payment, and we are down to like 45 payments that's,
0: now. Hey, progress is progress, mm-hmm. and you got to look at it that way, because if you don't, it, sometimes it's such a daunting task.
1: Yeah, I think we've paid off like 25% of it already, but we've that's been making great. extra payments Good and for you just trying to to get that payment down.
0: That's you know progress is progress and thankfully we have been without a car payment for quite a while at this point as well as you know instead of the last time we paid something off instead of going and getting a different vehicle I went out and got a tractor so I'm in I'm in the the home stretch I think I owe three thousand thirty five hundred.
1: Hey, there you Something go. Something
0: like that. So we're getting close and that's kind of what got me thinking, you know, I, I I talk a lot about capability and being prepared and you know, being able to take care of a lot of your own stuff and not have to, you know, rely on somebody else for certain services and whatnot. So that kind of plays into that and you know how I feel about my Duramax and the uh We've got a O 03 7.3-liter Ford Excursion, and I've got another little 7.3-liter dump truck that I built. I think the plan is really to kind of liquidate all of those and put towards to make that hit mm-hmm. on buying a brand-new vehicle or a new-to-us, fairly late model vehicle, um, you know, a little less impactful, I guess, as well as, you know, I want to put my money where my mouth is essentially that... You know, we have these older paid off vehicles and they do have higher mileage on them, but there's still value there because they're still in good working order. I can still do what I need to with them. You know, we drove the wheels off the excursion this last weekend with the kids running them around. It was perfect for that. You know, plenty of room, plenty of power, nice and comfortable, did what it needed to for us. So... That's kind of where I'm at. You know, it's it's not that I'm anti-new vehicle by no means. I am to the point I want it to be as timely as possible to benefit you as much as possible, as well as if you have taken care of your vehicle, you get a return on that investment to move into something that's a little bit more practical for you. So we're up against the first break. Sarah and I will be right back after this.
1: To complete car care solution, A1 Custom Car Care.
0: Welcome back, Sarah Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. We're kind of talking about, uh, you know, when it's going to be a good time to buy a new to you or new car or truck, van, SUV, sport utility, whatever it is that floats your boat. And I'm thinking, and time will tell that the third quarter is probably going to be a good time. I've been paying real close attention to the repo market. It is starting to really flood up there. And, Sarah, you and I had talked at the end of the year. There was a lot going into the repo side of the world, but not a lot going through the banks. And I really think the banks were wanting to get through the end of 2022 so their books still looked pretty good before they started taking losses on those cars. Yeah. And now I'm starting to see the auctions fill up. We have a, a dealer auction here in Springfield. I don't know if you ever drive by that one there on Sunshine. Oh,
1: yes. Uh huh.
0: If you'll, I always, you know, obviously cars, I, Stacy probably gets sick of hearing about cars and, and discussing at home, but I always, no matter what, I can't turn that part of me off. I truly do love the car industry, the car business, et cetera. And the fact that Americans, you know, rely so much on personal transportation, I wouldn't want to have it any other way. I mean, don't get me wrong; mass public transportation's fine. I th- I think there is a, a need or a time and a place for it. But for us here in the Midwest, it you know it, it, we don't have that infrastructure built throughout, you know, the urban areas of the country. Let alone, you know, I'm sorry, the rural areas of the country. The urban areas obviously uh, have much better set up, but I want to come and go as I please, essentially. If I decide that, hey, I want to take a little road trip or I want to leave for work or church or whatever it is at this time, I can do that and I'm not on somebody else's schedule. So when you think about kind of having that uh, flexibility, I definitely don't want to give it up for sure, the freedom, if you will. And that's kind of where the mindset comes from of having good, dependable transportation and taking good care of your vehicles. And I realize you guys out there in radio land probably are like, oh, my gosh, he's always preaching about taking care of your vehicles. It's not really necessarily a selfish motivation from my point. I hope it doesn't come across that way. Whether you take care of it and you're a high-end DIY person, you've got a shop that you've dealt with and have a trust and a good rapport with, that's really where I want you to be. Whether we take care of you or not, I just want your stuff taken care of. And here's why. All the time, either I'm you know, filling a service advisor role or a technician role, I'm seeing the consequences of when folks don't do that and how it impacts their life. Okay, I have worked with technicians. I've seen other shop owners that don't have that proactive thought process or ingrained into their, their culture or their personality or, or however you want to look at it, and they just fix what's broken. It's always more expensive to fix it once it breaks than it would be if you've just taken care of it to where it didn't typically have unnecessary breakdowns. And most breakdowns are preventable with a little preventative maintenance. That's, that's the name of the game. And the cost of the consequences that goes along with not taking care of it, I, I don't enjoy that at all. I don't enjoy having to come to somebody and say, hey, it's going to be several thousands of dollars for X, Y, Z. And most of the time, the technician part of me can can kind of recreate the crime scene, if you will, or backwards, you know, work through the problem and find out what caused that breakdown or failure or the consequence to it. And then once it comes down to that breakdown or failure, those typically, in my experience, nobody's ever planning for those. I won't say that there's not some people that have an emergency fund or a car breakdown fund or, you know, some kind of budgeting. There are some rock stars out there. Don't get me wrong. But. I do find people that plan and budget for the maintenance side of it and I see a totally different experience that those folks have with their vehicles than I do with people that just drive it until it breaks and then deal with it at the same time. If I've heard it once, I've heard it a million times. Oh, just, you know, fix, you know, the bare minimum. I'm selling the car, and then a year later they're driving it back in and they tell me the same thing. Or they tell me, hey, I don't want to maintain or do any preventatives for the next repair or breakdown that I see coming down the road. Just fix what's broken. I'm selling the car. And, you know, I for a long time as a young technician, I thought, well, why would people lie to me like that? You know, you said you're selling the car, and then I see you in another um, year, and you're still driving the same car. It, something else breaks. Or, you know, the partial repair that we did initially gives up because it wasn't adequate. They they uh, elected to shortcut it or not do a complete repair. And this is their vehicles. They have... It's a free state. I can't be like, hey, you got to fix it the way I say to. My goal when I'm dealing with folks like that is so that they understand the vehicle at the level and understanding that I do. If I've done that and they still make a decision not to do a complete repair, then the consequences are on them. That's not something I advise. They did not take the advice, and then going forward, we'll have to deal with it when it comes in. But that's another rabbit trail that I, I don't want to get lost on. Point being is that I kind of understood, and even through some continuing education and training that a1 custom does that people have an emotional reaction when their car is broken they lose faith in the vehicle and so that's why they're selling it well then when it's running or operating like it's supposed to again the relationship or the faith changes or hopefully it does that hey this vehicle's not so bad i got it paid off or i'm almost got it paid off and you know i'm gonna go ahead and keep it and keep driving it and then when something else breaks they're right back in that same boat so really having a clear idea and that's part of a active service advisor active communication that i hopefully as a company am playing a role in that we continue to approve our communication from our advisors and technicians as well what do you plan to do with this car like what are you what are your goals with it and i don't want to be like there's a million books out there you should plan and goals and budget and all that stuff i want to ask some questions so i understand what it is you want out of your vehicle do you want to get six months out of it do you want to get a year out of it do you want to drive it until it can't drive anymore well that really lays good information to how it is that you should proceed whether we're taking care of it you're doing it yourself or you've got a relationship with a shop or a dealership that does it for you whatever it is You need to play a bigger role as the operator and owner of that vehicle or as big of a role as you can in whatever that goes in the process because that is really going to affect your experience with that car. If you're always doing the bare minimum, it is going to accumulate to the point that it doesn't make sense to continue repairing a car because it's so far gone. And I really don't use that term very often with many vehicles. There are certain vehicles out there that were a first generation or a first run on you know new technology. And when those vehicles break, sometimes they break to the point that it really doesn't make sense to do the repairs. But that is the... Uh, outlier, essentially. That is not the norm. Most vehicles, if you'll give them just a little bit of love and care, you don't get into that situation to where you have this mountain of neglected work and and, uh, backlog maintenance that should have been done, and then all of a sudden it all comes to the head. Instead of you dealing with it, the problem is now pushed to the forefront of your priority list because it left you stranded somewhere. And that is what hopefully as a company, we're doing a better job being proactive on it. Um, one of my mentors and I were going to lunch with some folks here a week or two ago, and she brought up the, and and this has been a lesson that I've learned quite often from from this person, that the dental industry for years was a problem-solving industry. And so when you got a real bad toothache or whatever, they went in and, you know, either fixed it, pulled it, or whatever. But basically, it was always a worst-case scenario, and they didn't do anything to prevent any of that stuff. And any dentist I've been to in the last probably 20 years is much more on the proactive side than the reactive side. They're trying to get you in there and prevent those sore abscess tooth, the root canals, the you know, intense, crazy uh, dental cleaning versus just a standard ultrasonic cleaning that they're doing. So on those aspects of things, the automotive industry, and for, for whatever that's worth, every industry should be a little bit more proactive than reactive. You know, I sure don't want the power grid, for instance, to just be doing the bare minimum and having huge outages. I don't want the availability of parts and equipment for the power grid to get to such dire straits that if and when something happens, it's this huge catastrophic uh, cascading systems failure. It's no different than whatever you can fill in the blank. We are uh, adapting this to the automotive industry as of this discussion this morning. But it's really a mindset change. So play a role in that. You know, I've had instances where customers come in and they're hesitant to share information on description of problem, description of what it takes to recreate a problem, because they feel like that if you tell me a bunch of information, it's going to cost more money and it could not be farther from the truth. The people that give me the best information, a little short video, play a role in what the car is getting and where it's going and how we're going to get there man, we can keep these vehicles and your investment going for a long, long time. So, We're down at the bottom of the hour. We're going to step into a break, and I think we're going to reach out to or uh, dive into some viewer questions or thoughts right after this. Welcome back, Sarah Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, you got some stuff over there. What, I do. what is that there, so
1: stuff? Last week, we talked about electric vehicles oh, yeah. quite a bit. We talked about the, uh, the new ad with Kevin Bacon mm-hmm. uh, and the, the weird verbiage that they yeah. used. Uh, and we also talked about just different things mm-hmm. in the, the EV market. And one of our listeners said that they fully agree that EV vehicles are not ready for prime time, mm-hmm. but automakers- That's a good way to put it. Yeah. I like that. But then he said automakers and repair facilities need to step up their game. I have run into so much aversion to repairing a Toyota Prius, which is more than a 10-year-old technology. Mm -hmm. And uh, they said it's sad. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason I shared this with you is because I know that A1, throughout the year, they do all kinds of tech training. Oh, yeah. And I know that one of the last tech trainings that you did, I think it was in Kansas City, was Mm -hmm. specifically for EVs, I believe.
0: Oh, yeah. And we continue that. You know, we have online training, but we do a fair amount of in-person training. We travel for the training. Um, I won't say that all of our techs do hybrid uh, hybrid, and EV repairs, uh, but typically my lead technicians, most of them do or will and we have several different customers that come in and and we take care of their stuff what i've found with the hybrid market a lot of times folks won't necessarily take good care of the internal combustion engine that's on that hybrid and we've actually put several engines in them because they haven't you know they think oh it's a hybrid and they don't follow the same maintenance that you and i normally would on an internal combustion motor and usually it goes a real long time without an oil change and it blows the engine up on the Uh, hybrid side of it and then the full ev market now we don't do a lot of service on that as of yet most of that is still under warranty at the dealer so it doesn't make any sense for folks to bring it to us and pay us to do the repairs as well as some of the information isn't being released out there so we're getting ready for the uh, full hybrid EV market to be something that we dive into in service, but not it's not mainstream or prime time. I love that verbiage <laughs> for it um, as of yet. So, yeah, I think that's a very valid point so for sure. What
1: do you recommend for him um, whenever he's looking for a place to get his Toyota Prius fixed?
0: Uh, he really needs to find the right technician. It truly, truly is. Even we've got probably a little over 30 technicians within our company. I probably have maybe five that do the Prius, you know, even some of the Ford Escapes were hybrid, some of the Chevy pickups and Tahos were hybrid. I probably only have probably five that do that kind of service. So you need to kind of interview whoever your service facility is and see what their interests are. You know, some facilities are repair-minded facilities. They only fix what's broken. And we're fine at that. We do a very, very good job, in my opinion, at fixing broken cars. But our philosophy or mindset is really about preventing the breakdowns a lot. And if you do have a breakdown, sure, we can deal with you. But you need to find out whether they even have folks that are interested in working on hybrids, what their continuing education is, what their tools and equipment are to do accurate diagnosis and service on your hybrid vehicle, and go from there. There are shops that, you know, really love working on trucks, and you'll see their their uh, parking lot full of a bunch of truck service, and they don't like dealing with cars, or they only like dealing with cars and domestics, and they don't deal with Asian or European vehicles, so... I guess I'm not really answering your question, Sarah. Unfortunately, it has to be an interview process of whoever you choose to do your service.
1: So, those five techs that you feel pretty confident yeah. in uh, for these specific vehicles, mm-hmm. do you have one at each shop? I do. Or is there one at uh, like a more yeah. specific shop that you would recommend? We,
0: some of the shops have more than one, which okay. is great. Uh, But typically, yes, there is one at each shop. Um, Eddie out at Republic is my guy here locally. He has done a tremendous amount of Prius work specifically. Um, If it's very in-depth electrical, Darren, Jason, or Cody are my three guys, one at Sunset and then two over at my Ford Street store that do a really good job. If it's a really intricate issue or there's any programming or concerns um, Darren is going to be the gentleman that I push that He's service. Awesome. Darren's really is good. He is good. Yeah, I'm very, very fortunate to have such a in-depth, um, I don't want to say roster, but essentially it's kind of like a football team. You know, we have some really... Uh, amazing folks and i'm not just saying that cuz i get to work with him every day i've seen him do some rock star stuff and i'm very very fortunate to work side by side with him
1: he has such an interesting background Look, he does. we need to try to like sweet talk him into coming that on that would be great i yeah. would love to have him next on time here. i go in for an oil change i'll see what i can do yeah
0: please do that cuz i'm <laughs> sure that would be a great show for us yes
1: so uh, speaking of last week we mentioned hydrogen powered vehicles yes briefly, and I thought it was ironic because I found it this story this week. Honda teaming up with GM to build hydrogen-powered vehicles. Mm -hmm. Honda is set to launch the first hydrogen fuel cell-powered electric CRV in 2024, and it's getting a little bit of help. The automaker has revealed that the Ohio-built SUV will use technology developed in partnership with General Motors. Fuel cells combine hydrogen stored in tanks with atmospheric oxygen through a catalyst to create water the process generating electricity and h2o vapors now the power systems are lighter than battery packs and can be refueled as quickly as a gasoline-powered vehicle Both automakers have been experimenting with the technology separately, with Honda briefly selling a fuel cell-powered Clarity car that was hamstrung by high cost and a lack of public fueling infrastructure Mm -hmm. outside of California, where it was sold. Now, according to Honda, the next generation system will cut production cost to one-third of what they are now and by half again in the coming years. Honda only expects to build around 2,000 of the CRVs in 2025 and up to 60,000 fuel cell vehicles annually by 2030, mm. but sees the output growing to hundreds of thousands by the middle of the next decade. Now, several other automakers have been keen on both hydrogen combustion and fuel cell technology as an alternative to battery-powered, including Toyota, Hyundai, and uh, or Toyota and Hyundai, which both currently offer low-volume models for sale. So, that's extremely awesome. Uh,
0: that technology really, other than the infrastructure, is really where I see which they obviously laid, uh, you know, information that that's where they're struggling now. The infrastructure part of that is going to be the challenge for sure. There's going to be so much upfront investment that the hydrogen portion of that, for the juice to be worth the squeeze, if you will. It's going to have to be – somebody's got some deep pockets apparently. But the technology is pretty good, honestly. I've done some dabbling with some hydrogen generators on a small scale. Uh, Very efficient. Obviously, the uh, O2 emissions or hydrocarbons that are produced are nil and void. And water vapor essentially is the byproduct of that. So all of that is extremely enticing. And it really, truly seems more practical to me than just these EV only, you know, takes 20, 40 minutes, whatever it is to charge. It just, that seems a little more practical for me. But uh, I guess we'll have to see. Time we will go. have to tell.
1: Now, in the recall news,
0: dun, dun, dun. we have a recall.
1: So Honda owners with older models, listen up. Uh, Honda is advising you to park until dangerous airbags are replaced. Yes, I feel like this has been in the news quite a bit. It has. So, once again, here it is. Owners of approximately 8,200 older Honda vehicles with Takata airbag infl... Inflators, I don't know why my brain was like infiltrators <laughs> 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 are being urged not to drive until the parts are replaced. Now the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration issued a do not drive advisory from any two thousand one through two thousand three Hondas after the Takata inflators proved to have a fifty percent chance of exploding That's
0: a high chance.
1: Yeah, and hurling shrapnel in a crash. Yeah. Isn't that insane? Now, the NHTSA said the risk to drivers and passengers is dire because the inflators blow apart. Uh, the flying shrapnel could cause serious injuries or death, even in minor accidents. Vehicles affected include the 2001 and 2002 Honda Accord and Civic. Wow. The 2002 Honda CRV and Odyssey SUVs. The 2003 Honda Pilot the 2002 and 2003 Acura 3.2 TL and the 2003 Acura 3.2, uh, 3.2 CL. Now, the safety agency said that the Honda and Acura vehicles were recalled in the past, but records show that repairs have not been made to all affected uh-huh. vehicles, and since 2009, the exploding airbags have killed at least 33 people worldwide. Wow. 24 of the deaths took place in the United States, as well as approximately 400 injuries
0: so a lot of that has come down to parts availability and i hate to continue hearing that that it's a supply chain problem but my general motors truck has got a recall on that and that, that That's sparks right. my idea that i need to call them back i've called several times and they're like yeah we'll call you when we get the parts in never hear anything back from them
1: well this story was published february 4th and this was in i think fox business and they wrote I think I read it even. Mm-hmm. Uh, parts are currently available, so...
0: Maybe they're coming available for GM. That would be great. It was interesting how old some of those cars were. You yeah. You talking like 2001, Yeah, 02. 2001. I was like, man, those things have been on the road for decades yeah. at this point.
1: Now, if you were out there in Radio Land, and you're driving and you want a list of those vehicles that are on that recall list, I'll make sure to publish this. Okay. Uh, that'll be at ksgf.com. Uh, it'll be on our podcast. Uh, it's super easy to find. Just click 81 Custom Car mm-hmm. Care Podcast.
0: And if you have another vehicle, I think, Sarah, you and I have both done this. If you go to the National Highway Traffic and Safety website, you can put your VIN number in, if I remember right, yes. and then it'll pull. If you have any uh, recalls for your car, even outside of Honda or General Motors, they'll let you know. So, we are going to step into one more break. We're going to pick it up and wrap it all up right after this. Car care solution, A1 Custom Car care. All right. Welcome back, Sarah Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Trying to just, uh, I guess, shed a little light on the automotive industry. Sarah, would you think that's kind of the, I the think premise so. of the show here well, today? Well,
1: I haven't asked you today, but mm-hmm. what's been happening around the shop?
0: So with the swing in temperatures and weather, it's been kind of a mix or a hodgepodge of things. Um, done a several engine jobs. Seems like quite a few transmission services, repairs, replacements. Uh, Charles was doing a clutch this week, which is not something we do all that often anymore, that uh, manual transmissions are kind of going by the wayside. I think we talked about that maybe last show, that it's, you know, kind of uncommon, unfortunately, to see a manual trans. Uh, but we were doing a couple of those this week, essentially. Um, and then just our normal, you know, taking care of people's maintenance and, and tires. Tires has probably been one of the things we've talked about quite a bit, that the uh, – Materials that the tires are manufactured out of continue to go up in price. So, taking as good a care as possible, and this may sound silly, but I've watched tires go up tremendously, and I'm talking like fifty to a hundred percent to 150 percent over the last three or four years, which is just absurd. I mean, they were expensive previously, but holy smoke! So, if you got good tires. Probably should take them, make sure they're inflated correctly, make sure they're rotated at least in a semi, semi-frequent semi manner. A lot of times for me and my personal stuff, I'm rotating them every oil change that I get because I want as many good miles out of them as possible. And that breaks up wear patterns and keeps you from you know, ruining tires prematurely. So that's kind of been the big stuff that we've been doing quite a bit. It seems like it's touch and go on the part side of the world as far as availability and quality. I'm seeing a lot of quality control problems on vendors that I never saw that from before that had, you know, good parts that I could depend on essentially. But my goodness, everybody seems to be struggling with keeping the quality standards good or at least adequate that um, you know we've had to shift vendors on certain things that I just have lost confidence and they've burned me too many times and that's that's the perk about a shop that does so much business like we do and is entuned in the industry that we get to see those those uh trends if you will and try and uh you know head them off before they affect very many people so
1: That's frustrating. It
0: really is. You know, we offer a three-year, 36,000-mile nationwide warranty on most of our repairs, and some of them up to a three-year, 100,000-mile warranty on certain repairs. So I have to hold the standard, and it's not okay. Just, you know, a lot of times if you're a do-it-yourselfer and it breaks, it's really not such a big deal. You're out a little bit of time. But as intricate as these cars are getting, it's not okay, and I can't have to where I have a lot of repeat failures because – I don't have time for that, essentially. Neither is the customer or the consumer. So we hold a very stringent line, and I'm not saying it's perfect. We're not building and manufacturing some of these parts. Even the parts I get from the dealer, I'm struggling on on having some repeat failures on certain things, and I have to find different or out-of-the-box solutions. So definitely concerned where the industry, the supply chains are going, keeping a real close eye on it and making sure that we're doing the best that we possibly can.
1: Nothing crazy at the shop?
0: Nothing super crazy. Knock on wood. As soon as I uh, you know go back to work <laughs> yeah. on Monday, it'll probably have something real out there. Um, yeah, we did have some slide-offs and doing some suspension work now that mm-hmm. you're bringing that up. That's not normal other than when we have bad precipitation you know, a lot of folks think, oh, it needs to go to a body shop. But if it's just mechanical, a lot of times we may be a better avenue to take care of some of that stuff to get your car driving like it's supposed to again. Now, if it's obviously got into the body work and whatnot, a body shop's going to be your place to go. But we do a fair amount during slick conditions of mechanical repairs, uh, whether people slid into a curb or down through a ditch or You know, a lot of times it's undercarriage repairs versus somebody slid into a pole or anything like that.
1: Man, I saw the craziest slide off, which I, you know, earlier we were talking about the winter weather Mm -hmm. and just different vehicles that we saw. I, it was the craziest thing. I saw this guy, he was in a a white Dodge and he was going probably like 50 or 60 and I saw him and I thought, where are you going, buddy? That's so important. That that is, you have to go that fast because the roads were pretty, they were deteriorating pretty quickly. Yeah, And. And about five minutes later, I made it to the city limits of Springfield and I saw that same guy and he had slid off into the ditch and oh, it was goodness. on the side. And I mean, the whole side of his vehicle was crumpled. Mm. And thankfully, there was an officer out there that was assisting him. Oh. Um, I believe he was out of his vehicle and Good. he looked like he was OK. Yeah. But oh, I just I hated to see that because it was a newer vehicle mm-hmm. and chances are maybe he had payments on it, maybe not, but i don't I think it was completely totaled,
0: goodness, that's such a hard deal to you know you get so much invested just to mm-hmm. lose it all at one fell swoop, unfortunately, a big thank you to that officer or any of the officers, Modot, you know some of our county people I mean, I feel like they did a great job, and I'm so thankful and i don't I think they get. I don't want to say it's a thankless job, but to our officers, first responders, firefighters, EMT in, the, in this instance, and then all of our MoDOT workers, definitely a huge thank you to all yeah, that they did. They've been
1: working overtime the, I bet <laughs> they have. I bet they
0: have. And, and taking care of the roads and prepping yes. as much of that. But personal accountability is still a, a maybe not a mainstream thing anymore, unfortunately, kind of like common sense. It's just it's waning <laughs> in the in the culture for some reason. Um but personal accountability, man, that uh, relies on him. You know, things do happen. I've wrecked and hit things, and, I mean, i got to take ownership when it happens to me. But, you know, if you're driving that fast, just because you got a big lifted pickup truck that's four-wheel drive, it uh, doesn't always solve the issues, especially under slick road conditions, as well as you're not only putting yourself at risk, and I realize I'm preaching to the choir for a lot of you folks out there. I get to meet you guys at the shop. You're very big personal personal accountability people. Um But sometimes you got to learn those lessons the hard way, unfortunately.
1: Man, it sucks, though. It
0: does. And to lose a vehicle, and and as you well know, replacing it's not just as you go pick out another one anymore like it was five or ten years ago. You know, if you had a good vehicle and you lose it in some aspect like that... It really is an uphill climb essentially A to locate another vehicle B to figure out how you're going to pay for it and then C hopefully you made a good decision and you're not saddled with a uh you know a bunch of somebody else's problems unfortunately
1: That's right yeah oh those uh pre-purchase inspections those are lifesavers
0: you know, a lot of people probably think, oh, you know, how bad could it be? But Sometimes those vehicles are pretty bad. Most people kind of back to what we talked about earlier, when they lose faith and they send a vehicle down the road, you know, to somebody else, you're buying all of their indiscretions, essentially, whether they took good care of it, they didn't take good care of it, whether it had problems and people did hack repairs on there. It, it It's I don't want to say it's Russian roulette. I don't want to be that dramatic, but. You know, we have seen and found some crazy things and prevented people from buying those vehicles, A. But I've also seen the flip side of it where they bring them in, we shoot down two or three of their vehicles, they get frustrated, they quit consulting us, and then they just buy whatever it is they want. And then they bring it in when it gives them problems that we could have prevented them from having or going through this on the front side. So, um, we don't have a crystal ball. I can't look really necessarily, you know, and examine and x-ray the engine and transmission or electrical, um, but I can do an amazing amount with engine, transmission, or electrical that, you know, there are other shops out there that can do that, but they're getting far and fewer in between of folks that are that proactive, that well-equipped, and that capable to do a relative compression check with an oscilloscope to determine whether the pumping or mechanical integrity of that engine is good. And that's just one big, huge thing that we do, and we have that ability at all of our shops. So um, don't make the mistake of just buying the one that has cool wheels and tires or a great stereo or tinted windows. It is an emotional experience when you buy a new car good and bad. So most people buy it because, oh, it's really cool. It's nice. It fits and does what I need it to do. But the consequences to that emotional decision sometimes are very costly. Um, There are certain vehicles that if you even call the shop and we say, hey, you know, what about this vehicle? We'll flat tell you no without even looking at it because we know how bad they are. But time is is running short.
1: It is. Believe it or not, we're out of shows. So if you are out there in radio land, you have a question for me or Dustin, you can shoot us a text on our text line. That phone number is 417-447-5743. Or you can reach out to us on our social media. That is at 1041 KSGF. Dustin, I hope you have a good rest of your weekend.
0: You all as well. Be safe.
1: Bye.